patient. Pull out the scope. Episode the number 11. 11. So Drew, we finally. Drew Bledsoe. Right? Yeah. Great, so we finally you know, got Kyrie the, Irving. Finally got the episode right. And we've got Rob Pataglia himself in, in the house. Uh, Rob is a uh, corporate sales manager at HubSpot. We'll let him do his own intro here. But I do have to preface this by saying he was a little nervous coming on the show. Uh, so everybody that's listening, give him some slack. He he asked me if it was going to be too formal. <laughs> and, and for the 20 people that do listen, uh, we're not going to be that formal today. So we're going to We're, we're gonna not going to be that formal. Rob, thanks for coming. I actually went to high school with Rob, too. So I know that my mom is one of those 20 people that are listening. So, Mom, we got Rob here on. Where did you guys go to high school? Framingham. This Framingham be, ass. We might circulate this in my Framingham a little bit. Rob, it's good to have you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Give us a little intro on yourself, because uh, outside of going to high school with Jacob and, and your name, we didn't get much there. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Rob Battaglia. Um, I manage a corporate sales team at HubSpot and have been for about two years now. Uh, before that, I was actually an account executive for five years, uh, worked at some of our fastest growing customers, uh, some of our largest customers. Uh, so I've, I've been in HubSpot for about eight years now and uh, have uh, been on the corporate sales team since day one and have really seen that segment grow from about $0 in annual revenue to um, you know, $50, 60000000 million in annual revenue now. Corp life. Corp life. I don't know much about it. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't actually ever worked in a corporate environment too much. And if you call HubSpot's agency program that uh, – Corporate sales, I feel like it means so many different things. Do you have any background outside of HubSpot in, in kind of like corporate sales? Um, a little bit, yeah. Right before HubSpot, I was a, a BDR for a, a HR software company, and I was prospecting into accounts that over 1,000 employees on up. Um, and then before that, uh, I was in financial services sales, selling mutual funds to brokers and advisors, Um and myself and an uh, external field rep shared a uh, $62 million a year quota. Interesting. Um, so that was pretty That was pretty exciting. I'm sure you did a lot of social selling back then. So. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Twitter following. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of pity tweets. That's yeah. my move is to right. like people that I'm, I'm trying to, to, to talk to. So just, just put that in your back pocket for your corporate team later. So t- tell me a little bit about that. Uh, early on BDR jobs for, for these, these large thousand plus person companies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I never really knew that sales was something that I wanted to be in. I actually studied finance in college, got a internship at Putnam investments, uh, in their sales and marketing department. Uh, and it was actually there that I, I really enjoyed the environment of being on the sales floor. Um, I supported about 60 inside sales reps and also like about 60 external field reps at the time. And uh, that actually turned into a, a full-time role coming out of coming out of school, and um, you know, at a financial services company that's been around for a hundred years, your go-to-market model is really, you know, primarily all outbound sales. Um, so, you know, at 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 six a.m., at twelve p.m., at at five p.m., um, you know, we had reports sent out every single day with stack ranks of, you know, dials, talk time, and spoke tos. Um, you know, so wild. it was all numbers driven and it was all outbound cold calling and prospecting. We didn't get any leads and we had thousands of brokers and advisors we were trying to sell some mutual funds into. 
it's funny you mentioned that and kind of knowing Rob as, as long as I have and kind of falling into sales and, and maybe not the same path, but both being here. Um, a, a question I have for you, Rob, is like when you were now that you've been in sales, you've been in the sales role for a long period of time, you know, a good period of time. Um, were there things that you did as a kid or that were younger that you now identify as like sales traits, right? Things that you were, whether it was being competitive or whether it was something that you were doing naturally. Um, we talk a little bit about this kind of like sales DNA thing. Um, were there things that you were doing when you were younger that now you look back and you're like, that is kind of why I ended up where I was? Um, I don't know if it's anything in particular, but, you know, I think it's, uh, one thing that's at the core of myself is this, you know, intrinsic motivation to just want to win. And maybe that translates across sports that I played. Maybe that translates across, you know, other things I did as a kid. Um, but I always wanted to be, you know, on top and I always wanted to be number one. So maybe it's more of that intrinsic motivation and desire to just want to do well is what, you know, helped in, in my success a bit. So financial services, you got a stack rank every day, talk time and dials. How was that? You like that? <laughs> uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, especially when you weren't at the top. Um, and you know, that was actually part of the reason why I ended up, uh, you know, not being a Putnam anymore is because, you know, I thought, um, you know, some of the work I had done as an intern and some of the work I was also you know, doing as a rep were doing very well, but my numbers actually uh, coming out of school weren't as well as they could have been. Um, and when markets in 2008 just absolutely took a collapse, um, my numbers still were average. Uh, I didn't really realize how important numbers were um, from an executive and management standpoint uh, into producing results. Um, but when markets just absolutely collapsed, um, they ended up laying off 80% of the sales floor. And um, I think numbers were a big part of that and uh, ended up getting laid off when I was like 21 years old. What'd you you do? (laughs) Um, (laughs) There it is. We got one. We got a Battaglia laugh right there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at the time, it was really the market's absolutely collapsing. I didn't know financial services was something I always wanted to be in. Um, So I tried to take about two three months off just to let things settle you know because even when i was there from the final days um, it wasn't easy trying to call financial advisors ask them to to buy stuff when uh, (laughs) markets were going down six seven percent per day and their clients were just withdrawing their funds so it's hard to do that when you have call numbers and expectations to continue having those conversations um so I didn't really think financial services was what I wanted to be in. Thought it was probably going to take some time to shake itself out, and um, you know, technology had always interested me, and all these websites and Facebook and social networks and LinkedIn started popping up right when I was at the end of college and, and coming out of um, and coming out of this transition. So technology is where I looked next. Okay, so then, gosh, I can't even imagine that twenty one. Where'd you where'd you end up? Um. After about like a five, six month um, hiatus or sabbatical, as I'd say. Um, Probably up to some pretty good stuff then too. Yeah, 21 absolutely. years old. You 21 know? years old, summertime. <laughs> I'm sure you, yeah, I'm sure you're managing your finances. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I knew, I knew exactly what <laughs> I was doing. Further in your studies. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> extracurricular activities. Um, yeah, but I ended up at a, a company called Salary.com. They were a, a compensation uh, performance review software company. And uh, same deal there, 100, 120 cold calls a day. Uh, and that's actually where I was first introduced to HubSpot. At Salary.com? Uh, yeah, they were actually early users of HubSpot. And uh, when I was making 100, 120 calls a day, getting barely one meeting uh, that I was booking for one of my account executives, um, I would get like one lead in uh, through Salesforce at the time from HubSpot from someone and downloading a white paper. And it was like one or two calls I could place out and book a meeting. So that's where I was like, shit, this is interesting that I can make one or two calls and get a meeting versus making 100 calls and getting one meeting. Yeah. So then cool. I just applied on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Inbound weed yourself. Yeah. We've heard that, this this theme of that. And it's almost like this idea that really resonates with, you know, the reason we do some of the show, right? And, and I think that, you know, um, some of the stuff of me and John working together, um, I wanted to be able to like help and co and give resources. And the only thing I knew how to do would get better at this stuff or to get better and more comfortable in what we were selling and what we were talking about was to call people and to, you know, get told to, uh, you know, screw and to, um, uh, not see a lot of success, but to build some momentum and to kind of keep your, um, positive, uh, outlook on kind of a day-to-day job that's that's pretty much like digging ditches, right? Like making cold, you know, 100 cold calls a day is very similar to like digging ditches, right? Um, is there something that you did um, in that time frame, whether you were getting judged that was kind of, you know, this is the idea of what we call kind of like this war story, right? Like, is there something you did in that early part of your career where you're making a hundred dials, where you were getting your activity reports three times a day that you can kind of look back and kind of be able to laugh at and think of now, you know, where you are as like a corporate manager at, at HubSpot, you know, and, and doing, um, you know, great things. Is there something that you have that you could kind of like resonate with that person that, that you could kind of share with the people that listen? Cause I think it's the people that we're trying to connect with are going through this stuff on a day-to-day basis. This is what they're facing every day. You know, they're making a hundred calls or doing um, these lower task jobs, but they want to be a corporate manager at HubSpot. So like, is there a story that you can help resonate with them um, that would kind of go along with that stuff? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think one story I can think of in particular is probably the early days of being a corporate sales rep. Um, because everything up until that point that I've done in my career was all inside sales. Even at Putnam, I was an internal wholesaler um, and shared a quarter with a field rep. Um, but even in my early days at HubSpot, I was a BDR and a small biz and a mid-market inside sales rep. Uh, and then we had acquired a company, and that was kind of the start of our enterprise sales team at the time. Um, and I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> you know, just like every other cocky, you know, confident sales rep that's out there who's had a taste of success and they feel like they know what they're doing. Um, there was actually a really cool opportunity to do a lot of uh, travel into territory and travel into the field. And, um, you know, I'd say one of my, one of my like, uh, you know, learning moments was leveraging the appropriate resources around you, uh, especially when you're getting in person. Um, because it was an early time when I was uh, meeting up with the, the Fortune 100 pharmaceutical company down in New Jersey and um, at the time, I was only about 25 years old, um, and my sales engineer was, uh, 
you know, even um, uh, to my younger, uh, brilliant, smart, super smart kid, um, probably knew more than most sales engineers out there. Um, but, you know, I felt we knew exactly what we were doing and I knew uh, we were confident enough to go in there and be able to handle anything. Um, but in this meeting, there were probably 10 or 12 other people and it was just us two. And um, they were like, where's everybody else? <laughs> you know, your competitors, you know, brought eight people. They brought XYZ agency with them. They brought their customer success team with them. Um, so I think that was a really uh, interesting learning moment for me was, um, you know, not always thinking that you know what you're doing. There's always going to be a time where um, you, you're going to continue learning. I'm sure um, you won the deal. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think they had pretty much told us on our way out that we didn't have a chance at winning that deal, primarily because of the the lack of uh, you know enterprise interest and in, and in sales experience they had. So I'm I'm an inside sales guy, so I, I haven't had a taste of that world. Do you Face think that's in, do you think that's important or or like that type? It feels like it's more like for show type of attitude. Do you feel like that's, in, I guess, back then important, but even even now, is that attitude still around? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think for sure it's appropriate in a lot of situations. And I think it's, you know, up to you to understand how that customer, um, you know, wants to feel valued in a partner, you know, like HubSpot uh, or anywhere that you are. Um, you know, in today's day and age, I think things are typically different where, um you know, you don't really see a whole heck of a lot of need to travel in territory, uh, especially when folks and even technology nowadays allows us to, you know, easily display the value of our product over a, a screen share uh, and over the phone. You know, it's almost what people expect to, to purchase for software as a service nowadays. Um, but it's not necessary to, to want to be or need to get to field. Um, but it's always fun meeting face to face and and developing those tighter relationships with your customers. You can't, uh, you can't always replace that. Okay. And I guess that's what I was going to get at before is you've seen even over the past seven, eight, nine years, different organizations and, and I don't know, maybe different worlds in terms of enterprise sales. How, I guess if it, it has, how, how do you think the enterprise sales world has changed in terms of how reps go about their day? Um, I would say that, uh, you know, enterprise sales has changed where it's not so much trying to call in high and sell a solution from top down. It's more so, you know, uh, enterprise users are adopting software, um, typically, uh, by downloading some free product, you know, whether it be like a Dropbox, um, box product, HubSpot, um, a lot of these companies and enterprise sales models actually flipped on its head where, most folks are are starting with users uh, in usage and and using that to call in high and letting them know about the value they're experiencing with some of their free products and trying to understand why they might be downloading or using these free products and and how that might be more beneficial to the company uh, getting them all in one subscription where they're all working together and collaborating I think that's they you know that's pretty interesting to think of especially when you compare it to the you know the old school software sales 
um, model that, you know, that, that IBM kind of created and a lot of those people followed and, you know, you showed up and you dressed in a suit and you maybe you went played to, a round of 18, you know what I mean? Right. Like I would hit the links, right. Um, that stuff, the links with the, uh, the that stuff's changed, right. A lot of that stuff's changed. And I think it, it resonates really well with the story you had of it as far as, um, uh, with a competitor, right, who brought in a lot more of this quote-unquote enterprise value. It is interesting to think of people making, you know, 100,000-plus-dollar decisions through never meeting them in person, right, never having that interaction face-to-face. And I think that that's definitely something, you know, when I think of what's changed with enterprise sales, I mean, that stuff happens all the time, right? And I think, you know, five, even ten years ago, I think that that, that wouldn't be as prevalent. Um, so it is interesting to see some of that stuff change. Okay. So I guess looking back at some of those dials and the the activity and the old school, quote unquote, old school type tactics, do you, do you feel like that was important for, for kind of your tactics today or kind of the sales rep of today? Or do you wish you just never did it? I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, you know, as much as I would love to rely on, you know, free product signups and leads from our marketing team, um, you know, one of the best things sales reps have is what's in their control. And um, if you control what you can control, which is what's in front of you, um, and plan on getting to your number um, with those accounts in your territory or what's assigned to you. You know, anything else on top of that is going to get what's allow you to be over, uh, you know, over your plan and, and maybe hitting President's Club or getting on accelerator. So, you know, I think that uh, that that hustle and that grind that uh, and that grit that you experience making a bunch of phone calls, you know, really goes a long way and, and really builds character and, and calluses that, you know, that go a long way. And just having the repetition of of uh, of of your company's value prop. And then how did you transfer that to a role in like in leadership and managing a team? Because I feel like two different beasts, being a, a top performer for many years and then leading teams. What do you attribute to that? Yeah, I mean, I never thought that I wanted to be a manager. Um, you know, I had been a account executive for five years just on our corporate team alone. And at that time, our team had grown from, you know, three reps when it started to, uh, at the time, probably about 20, 22 people. Um, and along the way, I had, there were so many folks that I had mentored, so many folks that, you know, had, um, that I'd helped along the way that were now experiencing success. And it was, uh, it was pretty enlightening to, to hear them on the phone and, and see them closing big deals. And, uh, you know, there was just a time where, you know, it seemed like it was more exciting to, you know, find great people, develop those folks and, and see them be successful. So it just kind of happened naturally over time. It wasn't something that I that I tried to, to do right away. Okay. So then what's been, I guess, the most challenging transition for that? Because, again, I feel like being a top sales rep has to be very different than being a top sales manager. Yeah, I mean, there goes from worrying about, you know, one quota to seven, eight quotas. <laughs> um, and from... Is it $3,000? Because that's what, no, is that what John's is? No. We'll see. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Sorry. Um, Too internal. I think... Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, more deals to worry about. It goes from, you know, the five to 10 maybe active deals that you're working per month to, you know, 30 to 50 that you have to worry about. Um, and then you have to write, call the right plays on. So, um, you know, there's a lot more there, but I think that just goes into 
making sure that you have the right people in place and and that goes the that goes the long way you know having the right people in place i you know it's interesting that you say that too as you think about um watching other people's success and getting you know a different type of reward from that right like the fruit taste sweet or something like along those lines with that um that's definitely something i think i've learned this past year right watching some of the people that i've worked with um be really successful um and not necessarily having it directly like affect my outcome of myself which is really i think why you probably move some of that shifting some of that so when you know you would close enough bigger deals and watching somebody else do it and be successful with it was what you know, that was the fruit you were kind of going after a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think of because I think it's a it's a shift that you have tons of experience as a top corporate rep um, and then shifting into a manager leadership position, which is very different. So, um, and I know what are some of the, you know, where where else can we find you, Rob? Like, where can we find you? You, uh, you on Twitter, obviously, on LinkedIn. What are, what are some of the other things that we can kind of find you, reach out to you? <laughs> Uh, big can, social seller here. I'm a big social seller. Yeah, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I tweet every now and then. Um, We're gonna get that, you up on Twitter. Yeah, you really sold us on your Twitter profile here. But okay. yeah, I mean, any enterprise reps that are out there, people that are looking, you know, Rob's definitely got to contact and talk to. Should we end it there? Or? Is that good? Or what do you want to do? I think uh, I think we should end it there. I just would would uh, maybe want to press one more time into kind of looking back a little bit, Rob. Yeah, and just sure. say. I think you were talking about it before looking back at that guy in financial services. What, what would you tell, tell that guy now? Like looking, looking 21 years old, just got laid off, just got laid off. Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, there's certain moments in life that you learn from and, and that moment, you know, I learned that, um, you know, to, to not take, uh, know to not think of myself more than than what i was um and i think that was that was humbling experience for me and uh you know i think numbers uh no matter what you're doing uh for a career in life uh are super important so knowing what your numbers are and how that important it is to the business um you know i think is um you know something that i um that i learned most from uh early on in my career love it yeah that's good you got to track the numbers. I'm a big numbers guy, John. Don't you Dude, think? We're all, we, this episode's just three numbers, guys. Just, just three. Excel see, spreadsheets. You know, pivot awesome. tables all day. Pivot <laughs> tables. <laughs> we're going to have a graph and it's going to go up and to the right. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> right, let's, let's leave it there. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. Now my helmet's on. You can't tell me I'm not in space with the National Guard, United States Enterprise. Diplomat of swing with aliens at my feet Coming down a rampart through beam on the street Obsolete, confused, compounds and dead sounds As I locate intricately independent Economic mama got saved, restore food 